1: Welcome to episode six of the fifth and last podcast and finally the NRL season has begun after four long weeks of doing previews for the teams for 2013 and the very long summer that we all endured from the grand final last year to the point we're at now. Finally the football is back Brock.
2: Yeah it's back. I went down to Penrith yesterday and watched the uh, the Panthers beat the Raiders. My massive head got sunburnt. Um, I look like a raccoon today but um, it was really nice to just to... Go and watch the footy, have a couple of beers on the hill, and uh, and and watch some sides go around. It was um it was a pretty entertaining weekend of footy. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of news now, and uh, and we'll start to uh, have a look at some of these games from over the weekend. Yeah, well, not too
1: much as far as news is concerned, but obviously the big one, Jonathan Thurston, we've all been waiting to see what would happen. Penrith weighed in with a significant offer. It has not been successful. The other rumor was Brisbane because it's right next to, obviously, where the Cowboys are, but. They haven't prevailed. North Queensland four-year deal, five million dollars, and a well-deserved payday for probably who is the best player in the game right
2: now? Yeah, definitely. He uh, he definitely deserved to be. Um, I guess that you know the most paid player in the league. Um, I mean, having a look at the deal, it, you know, it all seems fair. He's probably one of the first that's going to be uh, you know fall into this category of the new salary cap, the new uh, pay packets, and things like that. So, um, but you know what he does on the field. What he does off the field, he's been a, he's been a fairly clean skin for the last you know three or four years since a misdemeanor, um, you know, and he deserves deserves that pay packet. Yeah, well, on top of
1: that, obviously you look at a video session. I think we've said it when you watch games a million times, uh, they all have their stat systems. you Look at how many times a half touches the ball. Jonathan Thurston not only touches it probably three times more than any other half besides Cronk in the competition, but he's the only half who plays both sides of the field and central. So definitely earned his paycheck. Uh, origin superstar,
2: Australian superstar. He's done the job for a long time now, so good on him. You take him out of the Cowboys' side and they are struggling big time, so he's the fabric of what they do up there. Most definitely. And the only other bit of
1: news, really, for now is, obviously, Sam Burgess was put up on report on Friday for a bit of a dodgy high tackle. He's taken the early guilty play. I'm pretty sure he had some carryover points, and he
2: will miss this week's game. I'll throw one at you. If... If that was the week before the semi-finals or if that was a preliminary final that he was going to miss, would you challenge that tackle? You would. I definitely I, would. I, I looked at it and I thought... Well, as I far as I'm concerned, he week. slips into it a little
1: bit and yeah. he does copy him a little bit, high, but I'm still not a big fan of the carryover points and you know why when a couple of people have suffered the consequences of that. Yeah. I'm obviously, obviously referring to it, not trying to be biased again towards the Melbourne situation. He did deserve to be suspended for that terrible tackle on Friday, but... Well, the same token, that wiped him out for the rest of the comp. Yeah. And those carryover points ran from round two that year all the way to the finals. Surely they should knock, you know, 10 off every five games or if they go 10 no, I just games... Think, just stuck. just get
2: penalised for what you do. It's like if you're speeding. Yeah. Yeah. You, get, you get a fine and that's it. You Damn. don't have carryover points for a speeding fine or, you know, for breaking the law, you know, in normal society. So I think it's just ridiculous. Like, obviously, if you're a repeat uh, offender... You're going to cop the consequences as the, as you offend anyway. So I just it's ridiculous, and especially, I mean, this one's only on a small scale. He'll miss round two, but I mean, who's to say that you know he might be a uh, you know a big loss for them? He might be the reason they get beat next week. The bunnies, I, you know. Well,
1: jumping straight into that, we're going to do obviously our reviews of the games from this week, and the first one is the Roosters and the Rabbits. And I was just about to say, I know Greg Inglis got man of the match, and he was fantastic, but I thought that Sam Burgess was probably the best player of the park. No, he was
2: excellent. Absolutely, and if he can maintain full fitness this season, he's um, going to be right up there in terms of Dally M's, um, He can also get across the stripe. He can, uh, you know, give you line breaks, offloads, um, try assists. You know, the whole whole kit and caboodle. He's uh, the new generation back rower. And for me, like we pumped all this advertising and all this hype into Sonny Boo Williams, and he's a shadow of what Sam Burgess is as a player, in my opinion. Yeah, well, what we spoke about
1: before he come back is that Sonny Bill was the only one of his kind when he left the game. He was the first kind of prototypical athlete, not a rugby league player. But there's a million of them now. Yeah, well that's You've it, got I Sam mean. Burgess, you've got Ben Te'o, yeah. uh, you've got your Papali who's coming through now. There's more than one bloke who's doing what Sonny Bill done, if not on a larger scale, over the past five to six years since he's been gone.
2: Yeah, and you've got um, all these Burgess brothers as well coming through. Like, there's a thousand of them. Looks like they're cloning them at South Sydney, but. Um, you know they're definitely a side on the up. They looked like they were Melbourne without Melbourne jerseys on the other night. I thought they just looked reminiscent of, you know, sort of the structures and the type of game plan that Melbourne um, have implemented for the last four or five years. And I mean, Adam Reynolds, how good can he get based on his performance the other night for round one, coming off you know that that obviously dodgy injury he had last year? Oh, he's got to be the first man picked for New South Wales the way he played the other night. He controlled the game. He kicked. He kept getting whacked as well like the roosters employed uh, you know dodgy tactics where they were just trying to whack him every time he got near the line I didn't particularly like it I mean and, and sort of going off topic a little bit they I mean they're going to penalize um, Sam Burgess for a, a tackle that um, Mitchell Pierce slipped into yet every time that Adam Reynolds goes near the line someone's allowed to whack him and put him on his backside I mean that kick rule and the uh, hit without the ball rule you might as well throw that out the window because that's not been applied at all yeah, we definitely did him no favours the other night.
1: That game, 35,000 packed into Allianz Stadium for a 28-10 to 10 victory to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. We obviously had our differing opinions of the Roosters. You said that they would be ill-disciplined, and I said I'd agree with you, but I think long-term they can get the job done. After what you've seen the other night, obviously not a great start in that regard. They had the penalty count 9-2 at the end of the game the opposite way and obviously made a lot more errors, so a bit of work to do, but... With so many games left, I'll say it again. Do you still think they miss the eighth from what you seen the other night? As yeah, far as I do,
2: I do, and not because I don't think they're going to improve. I think they'll definitely improve, but I think um, it's too hard to overcome the amount no, of Ill I just, discipline I just think errors? there's going to be eight better sides than them. I'm not saying they're a bad side or or whatever. I just I don't know. Uh, that's just my opinion. That's the gut feeling I get. I mean, they're they're a bit of a whack together side. Trent Robinson, I'm really impressed with him. He um he went in the press conference the other night, made no excuses, sort of said you know, similar things to what I'd been saying on the podcast in terms of, you know, having guys coming in late and, and Sonny Bill Williams and um, Jennings and, you know, obviously him having to come over and, um, you know, fit into the structures. But, I mean, they're a club on the up. They're a club on the right track. I'm just saying that I think there's going to be eight teams better than them um, come semi-finals time. And, I mean, I just think it's going to take them too long to sort of get to the level that they need to uh, to be at in terms of to qualify for the, for the finals this year. Yeah, well, touching on the Sonny Bill thing we brought
1: up before, he obviously came off the bench, got absolutely destroyed by Sam Burgess on his first attempt to tackle. Uh, They gave him a rap saying, oh, he's tackled Burgess. I don't really think he tackled him. He held on for dear life. But your overall impression as far as his first game back?
2: Sonny Bill? Mm -hmm. Oh, he definitely struggled. I mean, he'd be the first to admit that. I mean, interviews after the game, he's obviously – he said it's going to take him a little bit of time to readjust. So that's why I think it was probably a little bit unfair – that he, he got all the hype. You said that last week. I mean, it was SBW OMG. At the and, same time, though, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to blame him for that because he was no
1: He was pretty adamant himself. Yeah. You could see that. I don't know why. I, yeah. You know, he was the front of it all, and he himself, you could see in his body language and the way he spoke, he wasn't really looking for that. Much I, I don't think he's.
2: I don't think he's like that anyway. I don't think he's big on you know no. me me me. I think he's, you know, obviously he made a really bad decision five years ago to walk out on that contract. But I mean, are we going to hold a gun to his head for the rest of his life for that? Um, he's came back, um, I'd, I'd give it f- probably four to six weeks, and I think you'll probably start to see the best of him, um, but it, Sam Burgess definitely had a point to prove, he was definitely after him, yeah. um, you know, and, and whether what, that was probably a little bit of, you know, Michael Maguire probably saying you're going to be the man to go after him, and a little bit of it would have been Sam Burgess thinking, well, you know, he's the guy that's, that's getting all the hoopla, supposed to come yeah, back. let's line him up and, you know, see what he's got, so I think it was all fair in love and war, and... Sonny Bill's definitely going to be better for the run, Um, you know. but I think, again, it's going to take him probably four to six weeks to get back to um, his best. I mean, you you can't have five years off and expect to come back and just readjust and slip straight into how the game's played, especially he didn't play a trial either. Well, on top of that, when he left, uh, a lot of things have been
1: employed since. I know, obviously, they're trying to outlaw outlaw a bit more of the wrestling this year, but Sonny Bill left before all that really come to the fore, obviously – Uh, The ruck's been sped up a little bit this weekend. I think we both agree that's been much better, but uh, there's just just a lot of little things he's got to pick up on. He's got to get used to the the way the ruck works now. That's one thing. And not shoulder charging. I mean,
2: he was a poster boy for the shoulder charging. No
1: shoulder charging. I think minutes are another big factor. I know he used to play 80, but I think the players have still gone to another level since he's left in terms of sports science and obviously fitness, strength, all that stuff's increased. Everyone's saying he's such a big boy. He didn't look too big to me the other night, in amongst uh, some of the giants in South Sydney had.
2: Yeah, he looks slim. Like, he looks he's, very he's lean. It's obviously very tall. Um, but whether that boxing training slimmed him right up, or whether he had to cut weight for that boxing fight, it just looked like he's really lean. Like well, they a s- center, build. still
1: said he was almost 110. I know he's playing oh. center in rugby, but he doesn't. He's not carrying the bolt right now. That someone no, that playing tight should be carrying. No, That's definitely, for sure. not.
2: definitely. I, I would have. He's got to go back to playing on the right edge. Most definitely. definitely. I mean, he was bigger. When he left, than what he is now, and he, he was a, a very effective right edge player in terms of playing 80 minutes. I don't, I really don't see the point in you know why he has to play 80 minutes. So if he's going to be effective for 60, then playing for 60, I, you know, it doesn't really worry me, or and it shouldn't deter um, Trent Robinson from using him, to, you know, to be as, as effective as he possibly can be for the team. So I, I mean, 80 minutes, 60 minutes, 40 minutes, it doesn't matter as long as you get the best out of him and he's the most effective.
1: Obviously, he did score a try. It wasn't too bad. He got through his defensive work, so not going to put too much on him. But hopefully, we see a bit better in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, obviously, on the flip side of that, uh, the two best players for me on the park. I said Greg Inglis wasn't the best, but he was pretty bloody close to it. I know he chimed in, but Sam Burgess. I'm, I just put it this way, and I'm not just getting on the Ford bandwagon because I used to be one. But the backs do tend to get most of the accolades. You know, you score a try or you break the line, and they tend to be the one in the spotlight. But Sam Burgess the other night, he was just everywhere. Yeah,
2: he was. Hundred um, percent. Touching on Greg Inglis, I mean, when he got the ball, it looked like boys versus men. Uh, he he is a monster, and he just he's ripping the ball back, and he just seems to get better and better. Like, when's his ceiling going to? You know, when is he going to reach his ceiling? It just seems like. Well, what about his physical uh, attributes?
1: Uh, Every year we seem to look at him and think something's changed. He's mm-hmm. been bigger, and then he's been faster, and then he's been slimmer. This year, I think they've got the balance perfectly right
2: yeah, though. And I haven't heard any of these um these blokes coming out and saying, well, he's overweight. Yeah, right? well, That's ridiculous, I mean... He still glided across the paddock when he was who overweight. Who cares so. if, he's, if he's carrying five kilos, good on him. He obviously enjoys his tuckery, and it's not inhibiting his performance. Bloody hell, I mean, he was enormous the other night. You take him out of their side, and you just you miss so much. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: Obviously, a game of two halves, the first half and the second half, very similar. South Sydney did have a little lull period again where they did let in points, but... One concern, I think, obviously, for the Roosters, that left-hand side that the Rabbitohs kept going down, they come in three times. I know many people blame it on the winger, but you can't blame that on two of us Shek. That starts with the back rower, yeah, who calls the centre, and the centre calls yeah, the winger. So, obviously, he's got a bit of work to do there with uh,
2: Guerra, Kenny Dow, and two of us Shek, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, well, the defensive decisions are made from inside out. Um, and if you're a winger, sometimes you're going to look like an imbecile, but that's only because you're on the end of everyone else's decision. So... I I didn't see too much wrong with what Roger Tuivasa-Shek did the other night. Um, obviously, the Rabbitohs were setting up for that. They were getting to the right-hand side of the field, setting up to that play, for that play. Sorry, from uh, right to left, um, and they executed it well. I mean, in English on the back of it, if you're Roger Tuivasa-Shek and English has got the ball, you're not going to hang off him and let him run at you. you you've got to sort of come up and give him that presence. Um, Merritt, I mean, Merritt's probably the luckiest player on the field the other night. He just got three tries on an absolute clutter. So um, you'd love to be playing outside uh, Reynolds, Inglis, and Sutton at the moment because they're very dynamic and they're creating a lot of chances. And as you say, that's all got to go back to the forward pack and Sam Burgess was the leader of that forward pack. So you can't you know, set up for those big moves and, uh, mm. and execute those plays without the platform being laid by the forwards. And Sam Burgess was integral. Um, part of that for South.
1: And like I said last week, it all starts in the end room. You need the big boys to get forward to be able to open up
2: the outsides. But uh... And just on that game, I mean, for me, it, it wasn't that South were that great. It was that just the Roosters, again, they get into an arm wrestle and they just piggyback sides down the field. You can't do it. I don't care what roster they've got. That's the area that I, I think is going to cost them a top-eight position, not the fact that they don't have the players um, or they don't have the structure or they don't have the coach. It's just plain and simply because I... I think that's an error. You can't give away nine penalties. That's almost 50 tackles extra that you're giving the opposition. So,
1: well, tail of the tape, nine penalties to two, and I think the error count was something ridiculous as well. I think yeah. at one point it was 12-4. to 4, Especially so. early in
2: the season. I mean, if they're going to do that for the next six to eight weeks, they're going to have a very poor uh, win-loss record yep. because, I mean, early games are won through possession. Well, summed up, pretty straightforward, 20 out to 10,
1: errors and penalties, kept them out of the game. They pretty much flushed themselves, take nothing away from South. they did the job. Uh, Greg Inglis, outstanding, Burgess, outstanding, Reynolds, and we could say everyone was great for them. On the flip side of it, the Roosters, I thought that Orbison had a red hot crack. I thought Jeff good. Lima
2: was all right, too. He played good. Yeah, off the yeah. bench,
1: he was good. Uh, as far as the Roosters in concerned, all around, though, I couldn't really pick out too many Maloney was good. Outstanding characters. Millennium. But I was going to say, Maloney, no surprise, grafting away as he does. And I thought Orbison, besides that, I think they've all got a little bit to go. To the, only, the only other
2: one I want to ask you, two of us to check Is that going to flip? I would.
1: I think if you're going to do it, and they keep saying he's going to be a fullback, stop holding him back, do it yeah.
2: now. I mean, because Minichello doesn't have a pass in his game, does no. he? I mean, there was a couple of times there where they ran that cross play, um, and he was the back runner, and he just struggled to catch, straighten, and pass, didn't he? Uh, yeah. That's going to be a, an area in which, if they're going to feed their um, red-hot centers, and I mean, they've got great backs, no, no doubt, but I mean, if Maloney's not going to be the figurehead of, um, you know, their creation in attack or, or their execution in, in attacking plays, Minicello, or well, they need to move someone there that has the ability to do that. So you've got those three options. I mean, it can't just be Pearce and Maloney. No, well, they need to open it up and join the modern day because they're not getting nothing
1: out of nine from Friend. He's a great player, but he's not an attacking option. And obviously, no. most teams have got a fullback to do that now. But then so. again, I
2: mean, Friend's not a bad player. I'm not saying Friend's no, a bad player, but he player. does not He, offer a he does a, a heap of, you know clean up scrap work for the Roosters but
1: but you need at least three attacking options in the modern game it has to be coming from the nine and the two halves or you got to have it coming from the back so. definitely
2: what about uh, the million dollar kick half time the, uh, the triple M million dollar kick yeah, well, and the blokes fluffed
1: it 250 and he, and he soccer kicked it so <laughs> he's, he's fluffed it he, he can't be too unlucky the poor bastard he got $10,000 just to kick a ball so. yeah
2: well I, um, I spoke to MG on the night um, after the kick and um, he rated it a 3 out of 10, so I, I guess that's better than a 2. Yeah, we're well back
1: to the drawing board on that one. <laughs> Friday night football, the Broncos versus Manly up at Suncorp. Uh, a f- tale of two halves once again. The Broncos, all first half, had the penalty count in their favour, errors in their favour, to 60-40 on possession. Second half, pulled out the noose, did a bit of Matty Elite with the tyre and hung himself.
2: Mm, yeah, it was a strange game, this one. I thought, after 20 minutes, I thought, well, the Broncos, by how many? And the Manly have just got this... Will, this grit, they just dig in and they fight and fight and fight until it turns. And and when it turns, they just cash in every time. Um, you know, they're one that we sort of pushed the wait and see button on and we thought they were going to be sliders. I still um, think
1: they're lacking depth, though. Yeah, you've seen from the bench that came on David Gow dropped the yeah, ball three times. Senator Faleo I
2: mean, only played five minutes. Uh, and you've also got to rank it against the opposition. So, I mean, I don't really rate Brisbane in terms of where they're going to finish this year.
1: Well, I told you about that halves list I've seen and that Wallace and uh, Prince were rated very highly and the best halves in the comp. I don't really understand how that works at the moment. Well, and
2: why? Like, can someone explain to me why Corey Norman's playing at fullback? I just don't get it. Like, Josh Hoffman, for me, I I rate Josh Hoffman, I think.
1: Well, I think they did it for the ball-playing option and it worked on that first try because Hoffman doesn't really have a pass, but at the same time... I think Brisbane's got bigger problems than that. I'm going to give a rap to two players and two players only for them because I thought the rest it's of long them pretty much pulled, yep. uh, pulled the pin. Andrew McCulloch. Yeah, he's outstanding classy. at nine. Classy. Uh, they talked about him the other year being the number two for Queensland now in front of Ballon. I'd agree with that, especially yep, with the definitely. way you've got to attack
2: now. He was unlucky not to score a try there, too. He put no, it down short. He was the
1: only one out had to dig for the whole game. When they took him off, they looked a lot worse for it. Uh, no offence to Ben Hunt, but they need to have right. McCulloch as an 80-minute player from now on. And Justin Hodges, doesn't matter how old he gets, he's still a classy bird. Set up those two tries. Yep. Uh, very dangerous I think Maddow won that battle but once again Hodges was one the only bloke besides McCulloch it was a good battle but it was good to watch it was a great battle and, <laughs> it, was, it was good
2: uh, you know there,
1: there was little glimpses there uh Glenn was sold in the first half so was Gillette but you've got to play for 80 minutes everyone yeah uh, one argument I'm going to make right now and I don't want to get too touchy about it but the other year the last couple of years all I kept hearing was oh Brisbane's young side you know they' they're doing things they're doing things in this Canberra side with all these young players from that first year, you need to do something. If you look at the record, I'm pretty sure it shows that they've made the finals the exact same amount of time. So I don't know how everyone keeps defending the Broncos and ragging on the Raiders in that regard. That's the fair, Broncos that's have cool. flopped on that side. You know as well.
2: why? Because the Broncos have got a bigger support base, and yeah, you still I mean, a lot of the you, you can know, point the are own aren't they? Part owned by News Limited, so well, you can, as if they're going to. It's as if they're going to print negative press about their own team.
1: It only just occurred to me the other day when I sat there and thought it in my head over and over how many times they've brought up the baby Broncos and baby Raiders, and the Broncos are doing better because they produce this and do that and do that, but you look on it, they're both doing the exact same no, thing. you can
2: only judge them. You can't judge them on an emblem or a reputation. You need to judge them on the results that they're producing, and at the moment, as you say, um, I mean, the, well, the Raiders went further than what the Broncos did last year. Exactly, so and they uh, knocked them out the before. I mean, the Raiders went, went great yesterday, but well, I mean, we're obviously going to review that game later, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, but they're going to come good. They've got enough young players. I mean, they just gave away too much ball yesterday in the heat. I mean, it was forty degrees out here yesterday. Mm-hmm. Anyone tells you otherwise, they, you know, they weren't standing on the hill having a couple of beers like I was. It was it was stinging hot out Ooh. there at Penrith. And um, going back to the Broncos, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, they've got to they've got to get back to the drawing board. Um,
1: well, I was going to take it one step further than that. Back to the Broncos, I think they need to bite the bullet, suck it up, and realise that. It's all well and good to be producing good juniors, and they've done that. But they need to buy players. You can't yeah. just constantly put your foot down and go. Well, who, well, we produce just, players. What do they need we to buy? produce players. Well, just look around the park. I think there's an obvious lack of depth within the whole squad. They've banked a lot on these kids the last couple of years, and yeah. they're if trying to. There's two
2: two positions you could fix for the Broncos. Well, the
1: half right now. Well, yeah, what half or five eight? There's definitely a half. Peter Wallace isn't controlling it, and Prince showed the other night that between the two of them, that neither one of them would take responsibility. So, so for,
2: But for me, if, if you're going to go down that is track... Now off
1: the market. That's the one I would have been going for. Yeah, if
2: you're going to go down that track, you've got a young half there in Norman. So why why the hell would you let him go to the Eves? I Elves? wouldn't. I'd have that's Norman ridiculous. at six,
1: and I'd be getting rid of Wallace and Prince, or I'd be having one of them as a backup. Well, I mean, one of them... Trying to bring in a seven to play yeah. with Norman, and then on the flip side... And what lab, do you see Norman as, a half of five eight? Norman's a 5'8". He's not half. He doesn't organise. Well, he I should be free running.
2: Okay. Yeah. I, and I think Prince can't play 5'8". Prince has to play no, half.
1: Exactly. And the other night, I couldn't believe that was the way it was. He's the one who's supposed to run the ship. He's not going
2: to run the pill. He's not. No. He, he did it. He did more than what he did at the Titans. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, but he, he's only a, he's a tiny man, Scott Prince. People don't realise how small he, he, he is. tiny. If someone got a hold of him... like I know in Queensland he's got a nickname called Snap because every time he gets tackled he something snaps. Mm-hmm. But um, after seeing him live a couple of times, um, obviously travelling up to the Gold Coast, he is tiny. So you know I can understand his um, you know lack of willingness to get into contact, especially with the size of the players um, that are running around out there now. But yeah, well- that's definitely it's got it's got to be one that's got to be fixed. I mean, for me, Hoffman has to play one. And for me now, after watching it the other night, if you're going to use Norman, you put him in his preferred position at five eight. Like, don't push a good young junior out the door. Um, give him his crack. I mean, give him six to eight weeks. If it, if he doesn't produce, let him go. To, let him go to para. You know. It was second just, half. It's just strange second half brain
1: snap. There was a five minute period there. I wrote it down. It was four errors in five sets, three tries. Yeah. Manly definitely got back on the bandwagon. Besides that, they looked dangerous after about the first 20 in the first half. They looked a bit slow to get started, but from their point of view, they've got players playing injured already. Wattmau was a bit tender. Stewart's not there. Brenton Lawrence has gone from being a nobody at the Titans to having, no, it. I so reckon, he a, a he great debut right the, the, the other Titans. night. He's got He's, great leg speed. Yeah. Uh, and Brent Kite had an absolute beast of a second half. I thought Justin Horro was outstanding on his debut. So. What about
2: um, Gus's comment in commentary? Did you hear about? Uh, oh, sorry. Did you hear when he said he doesn't understand why Kite isn't playing Origin? Uh, I'm not
1: too sure about that side oh, of things. Yeah, I sort of. Thought, I, well, I do think he's a solid player, but I still don't think he's uh, going back in there. This is. Going, I still
2: agree with the fact that like he's, he's a solid player. Origin just flicks everyone that has one bad game. I, I right, can buy into that theory.
1: They they said it the other year. He was, was good the other night. They probably. still haven't stuck by what they said. They said they were going to build a side. They need to stick to it. You can't keep bringing back older blokes and relying on them for one series. So. Mm. But I thought them. But the most important thing for them,
2: Foran and Cherry Evans. For Kieran Foran, I said it last year. He is the cog in that that Manly were missing in that wheel last year. He is tremendous. He defends like a front rower. He runs the ball like a fullback, and he's got he's got ball playing ability. He's... is. Um, if I could get two halves at the moment and two halves of my choice, I'd have Cronk at half back and I'd, I've had, I would have four and at 5'8, no word of a lie.
1: Well, he was super aggressive and looked re energised after an injury plagued year. Cherry Evans was a little cold in the first half, but you've seen a lot better in the second half what he brings to the fore. They obviously heavily favoured that left hand edge, I think where Scott Prince was stationed. And Hodges, they got Eye and him. I thought Maddai had a fantastic game as well. So Yeah, and um, the
2: other concern for, obviously, Prince and uh, watching the Titans play the last couple of years, his defence is a concern. It's something that you you need to format into a defensive structure in terms of how to um, fit him in. Well, that's uh, why I see him out of the picture.
1: You can't do that in the modern game anymore. You can't be trying to cover up for a bloke. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I know he's only been there for a week. Oh, I thought it was a bit strange in the... Off season, people still giving him raps. so I know he's been a great half, but I think he's past his due. Did you find it weird that something. he was
2: kicking and um, Parker got the sack? Uh,
1: I thought Parker kicked all right the last couple of years. Parker Parker's up-and-down kind of goal kicker, but I still wouldn't have shafted him. Because no. uh, I mean, if Pritchett's gone
2: this week, and then they're going to say, well, yeah, here you go, go Corey, go, have, you, have, you chicken, have you kicking chicken? Well, have you kicking, uh, like I said, running through that, they were a bit patchy. Those
1: two players, McCulloch and Hodges, the only two I could really give a rap to. Thought the rest of them have got a lot left to be desired. They flattened out about the 60th minute. Yep. Manly, pretty straightforward. Foreign Cherry Evans, outstanding. Big raps to Horro on debut and Brent Lawrence. Thought he was solid. Quite second half
2: and uh, obviously Steve Maddow had a bit of a. <laughs> How about I had a bet in this game? I had um, it to be under 36 and a half points. 36, and there on was 36 on the dot, but there was no point scored for the last 17 minutes. So I went in and made an apple pie and some ice cream and had thought my cash was gone and, and came back with five to go and thought, hang on a minute, and uh, sure enough, um, no more points were scored. So. Well, you want
1: to talk about somebody who needs some apple pie and ice cream, the New Zealand <laughs> Warriors needed plenty of that after a 40-10 to smashing on Saturday night at Parramatta Stadium. I've eaten my words already. I know it's only one round, but Parramatta wiped the floor with me saying that their forward pack's off and their New South Wales Cup side. They came <laughs> out and absolutely dished the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, controversial decision early on. Uh, no try to Thomas Lulaway for what was called a driver. He watched the replay. Tim Manners got no hope. Todd Lowry's pushing up support. Pretty much falls on the pile. So oh,
2: what a crap decision. I'm not that.
1: saying that try is going to turn the result. I'm definitely not going to defend him in that. Well, I, I use this
2: analogy. Would he have got the ball down without the assistance of Todd Lowry? And, and I don't think that Todd he was Lowry already fallen.
1: He would have got the ball down for sure. He was already fallen. But on the flip side of that, first 20 minutes, uh, a very backwards kind of game. Error for error. Both had opportunities in each other's half, yeah. thought it was gonna be an absolute toilet bowl, but uh, it kind of turned on its head. Parramatta played some very nice structured football with Chris Sandow, taking himself out of the equation where he, you know, touches the ball three or four times a sec and panics and throws a cutout pass or a chip kick the last couple of years and just
2: injected himself at the right times. I think he sort of stepped back as well and allowed his forward pack to lay a structure. I like that. You know, he he didn't overplay his hand. His kicking game was tremendous. So the kicking game of Parramatta in general was tremendous. They just they were getting to the forty and just pumping the ball down the other end of the field. They probably had four or five 40-20s that were you know yeah. within an inch. Yeah, minimum. Um, you know, I just I was really it was really fresh to see Parramatta just come out. They they look fit. They look fast. We did say that last week. I yeah, mean obviously- that was my. I thought the Parramatta would start the season off fast. I, I, I tipped the Warriors to win only because I needed to see that from Parramatta before I trusted well, them. Most definitely. Um, but it was just refreshing to see them just run hard, play the ball quick, Ooh. get on the back of Hayne and Sandow, kick the ball early, turn the Warriors around. It was just it was it was a smart win. It was a good win, and I think the basics though he. Challenge that forward pack, obviously, because I thought last year they were soft as, and I, you know what? At the same time, I kind they, of sat- I don't think they were as fit as they are now either. I think they they're a yeah, bit. But, um, at the out same, of puff in terms of their size, they just looked big and floppy last year. Now they look, they look fit and trim. I and didn't strong. even know about big last year. I thought they just lacked
1: lacked completely. I don't know if it was Kearney or what it was, but obviously. Stewart's turned up and gave him a good kick up the backside. They looked very invigorated. Mitchell, good one of the runs off the kickoff. And Tim Manor, same deal. Getting down low, getting the bump in. Yeah. But uh, how long is that going to last? We don't know. I hope it lasts for the whole year because the actual structure of the football and some of the tries they created was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I know Hayne got man of the match when I said it before. The backs tend to get the wraps. He cleaned up three
2: support tries. Good work. Yep. But Rennie Matua started all three of those. Yeah, he was tremendous. And he um, Obviously, before he had his drug, Drug ban and um, had a couple of years out. I mean, you know, and he's he's copped the rap for that, and he copped that on the chin. But he's a, he's an excellent player, Rennie mature and I think in a way he was probably a, a very smart buy for Parramatta. They would have got him for, um, you know, obviously for a reduced price because he's coming back from that ban. But um, he, I thought he was solid last year. Probably needed the uh, needed the extra preseason, and and also the same as Sunny Bill, you need a little bit of time back in the game to readjust, but. He's now uh, bearing the fruits of um, you know what he put in last year and obviously what he's done over the preseason because he was tremendous. Another one in the same boat, Jacob Loco, had two years out, comes back um, on Saturday and he, he played really well. He's long and rangy and got a good fend. He played very well. I was just I was impressed with him all over the park. Like and I mean touching on Jarrod um, yeah, obviously his tries were from support, but. He did have probably, a good game. There are probably tries that he doesn't score, you yeah. know, when he's in those lazy, lax moves. It was, it was a fresh. Like, I've got nothing, absolutely nothing against Jared Hayne, apart from the fact that he can sometimes just be a little bit well, gypsy he had, a little he bit doo dude. It's just sort of like, well, you know. You need you need to write him in a handwritten invitation to play footy. Right?
1: Yeah, well, he had what I call English syndrome when he was mm. at Melbourne. He was outstanding the first two years when he was on the rise, and then when he seemed to have got to the top of the mountain, a we bit. almost had to you know take the ball to him and get Crump to stick it on his chest and go, yeah. please, like we did not that we needed him to do anything because we were cheating and we had a, a loaded side, but he was just almost wearing a Melbourne jersey or an Australian jersey or a uh, you know a Marange jersey for the sake of it. Mm. But uh, I thought.
0: On, I'm Parramatta. not going to
1: take away from it. He got the three tries. He did have some other runs there that weren't tries where he did make people look silly. Yeah. So good on him. But I've I got a lot
2: of uh, a lot of people close to me as well that go for Parramatta, so there's a lot of smiling faces that I'm seeing, but um, hopefully that doesn't continue for too long. Yeah, very much. <laughs> so.
1: Well, like I said, I hope they keep sticking it up there because I said it before, I didn't want to rag too much on Penrith and Parra. I think that the two west sides should be in the top eight every single year. Yeah. It's been should. sad to see him dwelling, so I hope they do prove me wrong and they don't get the spoon and I hope Penrith keep on their rise as well. But... Summon that one up, pretty straightforward. That new leadership group, Sandow, outstanding. Yep. Matua, outstanding. Are we,
2: uh, are we going to touch on the Warriors, or are we just going to let that? We start? will.
1: But Matua, Hain, the new uh, group. Obviously, we said Loco. The whole Ford pack had a red hot dig, and uh, we. No yeah. I don't even want to talk too much about the Warriors because mm, I thought they were absolutely disgusting. Oh my god! But uh, Mr.
2: Gossip sent me a message. I was um, I was at a Brookvale for the uh, Panthers junior rep games. Obviously, when that Parramatta game was on, and the text read something like. Um, Rush down to your tab now and get on the Warriors for the spoon. And uh, you know, I thought, well, buddy, hell, Parramatta must be giving him a touch-up. And well, um, he, he sort of ruined the game for me because I was looking forward to going home and watching it without knowing the score. But um, I've got too many, as I said, too many Paramount fans close to me, and uh, they let me know about uh, about the big win.
1: So well, the only person I felt sorry for was Ben Maddalena. Typical uh, player of the year last year did his job thought uh, the two others that let me down that were great the other week in the trial was that threesome that I said that bashed everyone him, Rapira and Lilliman Liliman had a couple of errors Rapira didn't have his best game but mm. Simon Mentoring the captain obviously that review over the pre-season the change in rules got penalised three times for mm. hand on the ball then was whinging about it that kind of Gives me the shits because I just don't understand how you can get told about it, then whinge about it during the game. Yeah, just especially take your hand when, off
2: especially when you get done for it, and then you get done again for it, and you're yeah. sort of going, "What are you penalising me for?" Like, I mean, uh, mate, get your hand off the pill, and yeah. you won't get penalised. But I mean, that just shows you the tactics that the Warriors had to, um, you know, resort to in in order to slow Parramatta down. That's how yeah, effective well. their play the ball was. That's how hard they were to tackle and that's how hard they were to slow down. So too many full errors, credit to Parramatta.
1: Too many errors, too many penalties. Sean Johnson Same as the Roosters. looked like just he was playing discipline. touch again through two intercepts that he saw the player in front of him. That's not the kind of vision we expect from him. And I
2: mean, the Warriors are one of these sides that rely on possession. Rely yeah, on possession was, and field position. They're they a big side. Them, like. You can't go piggybacking yourself down the field and dropping the ball early in the tackle count. You're just going to invite sides. Whether it's Parramatta or whether it's Melbourne, it would have been the same result. Yeah. Um well, Manu goes off, rolled ankle early on. I thought he was filthy. Having, filthy, he's my fantasy side Good start really.
1: to the game, but he is a shoo-in for an injury. But just going through it, uh, Elijah Taylor definitely not a nine. No. Got to, got to sort that situation out. Even if it's a mid-year buy, if they have to do it, and they need to get somebody. I know there's a lack of hookers out there, but uh, complete lack all over. I thought. Uh, Another rap, probably the young Icky Aifo. He'd come on and had a red-hot go, but he did make a few errors. But the general consensus was they just turned up. They were half asleep. Their 20-side did exactly the same thing and coped the shellacking, so...
2: And also, and especially in the heat. Same as Penrith um, Raiders. I mean, it was scorching. It was hot.
1: So oh, You've got to come to the fort earlier in the year, though, and just deal with that. That's just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Australian oh, weather You is, won't get an so.
2: argument out of me, but, I, I mean, knowing that the weather's going to be like that, you would have thought that you'd have more attention to detail in terms of your ball security and your discipline.
1: Well, a lot left to be desired from the Warriors. Let's mm. see what we get out of them this week. Big wraps to Parramatta. Keep on doing what you're doing, and uh, you'll get away from that spoon. But moving on to the other Saturday night clash, the Cowboys versus the Bulldogs. I've obviously... On the cowboy bandwagon for a green final this year, they did deliver a win after a very slow start. But at the same time, like I said to you, look at both the bulldog's straws. One was both of them came off a cowboy's body, which got them over the trawl line. And I thought the second one hit a cowboy, hit Josh Marsh's mm. arm, went forward, then was picked up and scored, yeah. even if he didn't mean to touch it. It still touched the body. I thought they should have packed him in scrum. but outside. On the flip side, uh, Cowboys, I, I don't really have too much more to say than well, wow. the, the first kick of the game, put uh, under pressure. Big shot from Brent Tate, cleaned up by probably one of the greatest spades in the game. One of the most underrated people, Ash Graham, just does his job. Grabs another meat pie. Yep. Kane Lynette, absolutely fantastic. T-Rex didn't get away from him all night. Made him his uh, little girl. Kept throwing him on the floor. We said it one. There was only one time he looked like getting over him and he still yanked him down on the ground. Yeah, he And did a man really of that size should get angry and dominate somebody like Cain But Cain Lynette made it his mission all night not to fall off the tackle.
2: Yeah, he tied him up well. T-Rex uh, wasn't uh, as effective as you would have liked. But again, I mean, it's round one. So, yeah. I mean, the dogs are going to come good. Yeah. They're, they're missing a lot of class players. So Still a strong side. Like I said, I
1: don't yeah. think they played too bad, but they definitely did miss three internationals in the Dalian Player of the Year. I don't yeah. think people rate... Uh, the, the substantial loss of Sam Casiano, another ball player, Frank Pritchard on the other edge, and then having Graham who rotated so well with Tolman, and then you've got the Dalian player of the year. So they're they're locked and loaded, ready to go when they get everyone back on deck, but the question of when is that going to
2: happen. Well Matty Johns this morning on the on the uh, Triple M said that they reckon that Young uh, Barber is going to be back within the month. So I mean, for Bulldogs fans, you got to be hoping that's going to happen because
1: well, hopefully mentally healthy though. You don't need to pull that again. It's yeah. got to be back on board 100, percent or mm.
2: not come back. Oh, I, the I agree. But uh, I mean, you want that to happen sooner rather than later, especially yeah. after seeing that performance.
1: Well, Lynette, I thought was uh, you know one that stood out for me, obviously. Scott Moore, very impressed what I was saying to him. Very sharp at a dummy half. Looked like uh, him and the pain of old back in 05 when they had a bit more zip around there. Mm. Obviously, he got caught out a few times handling on the pill. Probably his first time playing in more humid conditions. He's used to playing in the cold and the wet, but that humidity is a bit different where you get the sweat coming out of your palms and he got caught out a few times with the ball being slapped out and grabbed. Yeah, But he definitely uh, sharpened up around the ruck there. I thought he got... Uh, if you can get Dallas Johnson over the advantage line you're doing something right let's put it that way he doesn't get out of the advantage line too many times they get whacked he he made the forwards look really good the other night so I think they've added to their game
2: there um, I want to co- give uh, Neil Henry a wrap he's a very astute coach he he can coach that bloke um, he he obviously when he left the Raiders and went up to North Queensland he, he left the Raiders in really good shape they were really exciting to watch they were playing a great brand of footy and Um, When he first came to the Cowboys, they were having that that teething problem when he was trying to stick Thurston on one side of the field. Um, But since then, since he's sort of – and that's that's credit to him as a coach. I mean, it must be – and I know myself, it's hard when you make a decision and then you realise that it's probably not for the betterment of the team – it, it does take a hit to you in terms of your ability as a coach to go back on that decision and say, hang on a minute, I've got that one wrong. Like Credit to him for doing that, and the team's much better off for it. But, um, I mean, the team all around looked strong. They carried the ball well. Their attacking structure is excellent. Kicking game was good. Um, I, I even thought Matty Bowen was probably a little bit quiet. Um, well, he was very so quiet. I imagine imagine when, quiet. He sk- when he clicks. No, I, didn't, I mean, didn't even think Thurston was that no, great. No, he, 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 he was, was probably kind of 75%. In so. and out,
1: but... You just look at the all round contribution, though. I said to you, that Tom Malolo came off the bench and he stayed excellent. on for 40 minutes and was very strong. Mm. The Sims brothers came out with plenty of aggression. Well, imagine imagine Tom Western. Malolo in two years. Well, imagine oh, him, he's, Ashton. Where, where's I mean, his field? Ashton, Imagine him and Tarek in a couple of years if well, they're I, healthy. Tarek can st-
2: uh, stay on the field for two years. Imagine have got probably the two best young forwards sitting on the bench. And with the t- yeah, they've got the best front row. So, I mean. And now they got Thurston for another four, what, four or five years. Yeah,
1: well, right? you've got Lynette wrapped up as well. I've, I said yeah. it to you. I made a bold prediction. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I look at Lynette, and from what I've seen the other night, if he can do that kind of job on somebody with the size and skill of Tony Williams, he should definitely be looked at. If he is a blue and he is playing that kind of football, as one of those blokes that can finally maybe take Dan Greg Inglis or Justin Hodges, people always say, oh, we can't defend them. Yeah. Well, they put Bo Scott there, and he's a makeshift bloke who can't attack. Kane uh, Lynette can attack and yeah. can defend. So.
2: Good point. I mean, Not going to jump
1: too far ahead, but yeah. if he is doing the job come that time of year, I don't know how you could look much further than a bloke who's done the job on a monster like Tony Williams and does have attack in his game.
2: Yep, 100%. Agree. Um, and, and, I mean, the good thing about Lynette is he's, he's a both sides of the ball player. He, he can attack and he can defend. I mean, too many times in the past we've picked players makeshift. to counter... Queensland. It's defensive. We need to pick players that are going to beat Queensland. We shouldn't be defensive anymore. No. Fuck that. Uh, Yeah, going through that, like
1: I said, we can run through a million names for the Cowboys. They were pretty much good all over. And the best thing, like we said, probably the two most important players in Bowen and Thurston didn't have their best nights. But with a pack like that, uh, underrated blokes like Cooper Johnson just get through their job. Graham grabs a double. Outstanding contribution from him. Uh, Just all over the park. Can't say enough good about them. I didn't think the dogs were that bad. Uh, Mm. I still think they're lacking in the halves with Keating there. I think out of him and Hodkinson, I'd still rather have Hodkinson. I think that change has to happen, but we'll wait and see. But obviously, they're a very different side putting those three internationals back in and obviously Ben Barber. I thought
2: their best two were Morrison and uh, and Reynolds. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say,
1: Reynolds is just an aggro guy. He just keeps doing the job every week. He doesn't care what the circumstances are. He didn't quit on that first play when he scored that try. But uh, moving on from that, I think... They're going to be a lot better long-term once they put those players back in that open up their structure. They play a very dominant game based off momentum and offloads, and they'll get that back when they get those three monsters in there with the T-Rex.
2: Yep, agree, 100%.
1: Well, we've gone through four of the teams so far. We'll uh, head to a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll have a look at the other four games of the weekend. Having trouble keeping track of all the play movements and signings in the NRL? Want to know who your team has re-signed, who they gained, and who they've lost for the next season? Well, check out www.zerotackle.com for all the latest news and rumours on the NRL. ZeroTackle.com Straight back into the weekend's action. The Sunday games, the Panthers versus the Canberra Raiders. Panthers starting off with a big boom in 2013. 32-10, unexpected by many, I'm sure. They were
2: the favourites on the tab, which surprised me, but they certainly justified that on Sunday. Well, they actually pushed, uh, pushed out to underdogs before the match. Canberra, there was a late push for them. Um, if you have actual, you know, you watch the game and, and study the game, Penrith's attack wasn't very fluent at all. They they struggled to post points early. They had a lot of field position. Uh, late in the game, I think the Raiders got tired, um, but it was a good all-round performance by Penrith. They earned a lot of penalties. They took the juice out of the Raiders. Used the heat to their advantage, um, and then at the back end of the game, we managed to uh, post a lot of points and probably blow the score out to, um, you know, a much bigger margin than probably. Uh, what the game was reflective of and also, um, you know, in, in terms of points and um, that they posted by the end of it. The scoreline didn't reflect how close the game was with 20 to go. Well, I think the scoreline was justified. I know they couldn't put
1: points on earlier, but if you look at some of the raids they had, it wasn't the most structured football you've ever seen, but they were super keen. And I also thought that their defence earned them their points at the end of the day. That's the reason I think the score did blow out. You see a lot of the times the Raiders were caught uh, Wondering, trying to move the ball and get forward, and Penrith just bashed him. I thought it was a bit of an ambush, and I thought it was awesome, to be honest.
2: Yeah, um, obviously disappointing. There was a wasn't a very big crowd there. It was a perfect day for footy, or well, not? I guess not perfect. It was it was pretty hot, but I mean the sun was out. Two o'clock game on a Sunday afternoon at Penrith. Um, I think they'd be disappointed with the crowd that they managed to pull. In terms mm-hmm. of uh, looking at individual players, I thought standout on the day was Josh Mansell. He carried the ball made line breaks, offloads. Um, He was a meter eater for the Panthers and several times came out with key plays to get them out of trouble or or get them on the front foot.
1: Well, I was going to say, I think Mansour was outstanding, but I had two other little groups circled here. I had the back row of Penrith. I thought Lewis Brown, Sika Manu and Nathan Smith were all outstanding. They carried the ball a lot of times. They punched into the line. Nathan Smith and Brown, definitely not the two biggest blokes. Manu's not really a tall bloke. He's a thick guy, but I think they punched well above their weight and did a great job and... uh, the other two I had circle was the hooking pairing of Seguiara and Kingston. Yeah. Kingston laid a good platform. And then when Seguiara comes on, you can't look any further than the ruck when he's in dummy half. And you witnessed that at the moment he saw Sam Williams in front of him. He had a
2: scoot, scored a try, and all day he was just deadly out of there. Yeah, he was definitely. I think the effect that that then has on Kingston's game as well, it freshens him up. There was the uh, end period of the game there where they, they had both players on the field but um, it does give Kingston that twenty-minute spell before half-time, which um, you know is really going to freshen him up and make him more effective. I just thought Penrith's attack was a little bit lateral to start the day. Um, once they sort of started to hit that front man on that sweet play, Sikamanu crashed over. Um, There's a couple of other times where Lewis Brown went close, Nathan Smith went close. I just thought they they got a little bit lateral too early. Um, I would have liked to have seen them attack the middle a little bit more, take more juice out of the Raiders, and then. I thought it would have opened up on the edges. But um, all in all, for round one, it was, a, it was a good performance by Penrith. Looking at the other side, I mean, the Raiders, there was all the hype again. They made Lack the finals luster. last year. <laughs> and they just turned up, you know, turned a lot of ball over, gave away a lot of penalties, ill-discipline again. That's um, It's going to lose you a lot of games this time of the year, that's for sure.
1: Well, the only two blokes who really had a dig in my eyes were Josh McCrone, who's always Mr. Consistent. He tried as hard as he could and... Uh, McKilrick obviously provided both try assists off the bench. He did make a few errors, but at the same time, it's pretty sad when your number seven is the bloke having the biggest dig and then a bench hooker comes on and sets up both your tries. Mm. Yeah,
2: I'd I'd agree with that. Um, The one I want to talk about, Sander Oil. What's going on there?
1: Yeah, well, I think the hair's got to his uh, head in the couple of tries at the back end of last year, and he come home and... I got a message on the page saying was that Cisco on the wing and I said that would justify the way
2: he played he may Sandor might actually be in the US trying to relaunch Cisco's career after the Fonks on because it petered out I accidentally turned the football show on on Thursday night and managed to see him doing something talking about something and taking his shirt off I just thought this is ridiculous I mean is this bloke trying to make a rod for his own back because um, you know, if he wants to open himself up to criticism he needs to uh, definitely back it up on the field and he was far from impressive on Sunday He, he dropped a few pills at crucial times and just put his side under pressure um, in the heat. I just, I don't know, it was, it was frustrating to watch and I can only imagine how the Canberra players are feeling. Brett Kamali said last night on the uh, Matty John show that, um, you know, even obviously he sort of thought that um, it was a bit over the top and that um, Sandor needed to make sure he was playing good footy in order to justify um, his appearance and, and the way that he, he sort of put himself out there, I, I guess. Yeah, well, obviously, there's
1: another issue that's come from that game. Dugan, who was injured, and uh, Blake Ferguson. They have a grog-imposed ban by the team. Uh, That's fair enough. And they have both broke that ban on the weekend. They took a photo of themselves on the drink. I don't really want to touch on that now, because I'm sure we'll be speaking about that later on, Mr. Gossip. But both have been stood down today, and we'll talk about that a little bit more You just wonder what goes through their head, I'll tell you. Not too much, obviously. But uh, the main thing there, like we said, I think, very lackluster.
2: Especially on the back of a loss.
1: Yeah, well, Ridiculous.
2: Yeah. They played so bad um, and they were very poor. And, uh, you know, yeah, well, all the they... back when I was playing, if, if, if we ever got beat, and I'm sure you're the same, and I'm sure 99.9% of the NRL players out there are the same, that if you lose, the last thing you want to do is go and get on the drink. Yeah, almost well, definitely. Your responsibility be. to your club and to your fans is. Not to get on the drink; it's to improve your performance. Well,
1: this early in the season, you shouldn't be on the drink anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not a long—it's not a long weekend, Especially or you're not halfway through, or it's not a buy. It's not one of those times where you should be on the drink. As so. I said, it was
2: mid-thirties to forty degrees, and they're dehydrated, and they go and drink cans and dehydrate themselves even more. It's just ridiculous.
1: Well, both have been stood down. We'll leave that for later. Obviously, don't want to touch too much on the Raiders. I don't think there's too much to say. They were very yeah. poor. Ford Pack didn't go forward. Backs were disappointing. Plenty of errors. I uh, thought the halves tried hard, semi Williams and Josh McCrone, and obviously McIlrick made an impact off the bench, but yeah. that's an issue right there, I think, for them. Biggest one, Berrigan's too slow out of dummy half. It's about time they solved that. I think McIlrick's going to be there long-term, but yeah. letting Waddell go, I think, was a mistake. They would have been better off with those two as their hooking pair, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then I uh, got on the market. They did try to get Ballon obviously, last
2: year, but that fell over, but... Um, but even Ballin, he's not...
1: Ballin's he's not he's, suited, their he's not
2: suited to Canberra. I think McIlrick, hopefully by the middle of this year, he's the starting uh, starting hooker for the Raiders. Otherwise, um, I really don't see them having a massive effect in the premiership because, same again, like as we said in our preview of the Raiders, they just lack punch in the middle of the field. They've got a huge forward pack, um, and they just lack that dart at a dummy half. That's why I thought it was ridiculous to let Travis Waddell go because he, he gave you that off the bench.
1: Well, I can pretty much tell you right now, uh, this week, with Ferguson and Dugan out, you'll see Edric Lee come straight back in, Jack White and, and Reese Robinson, if he's uh, healthy, that will be the reshuffle right there. That probably scares me more than the side that they ran out on the weekend. Well, Reese Robinson scares me more than Dugan does yeah, at this point in time. I, I, I was really hoping that someone would have got onto that, but he's been re-signed there before the hot streak he had last year. But uh, for Penrith, like we said, there's not really any downer. Probably the only downer was... Finishing off a few times in the crucial 20 metres, and obviously uh, Wes Naguama had a few Barry Crockers himself, but I think long term, i said it before, James Roberts will be one of the centres there once he's healthy. Yeah, definitely. I don't know whether that comes at the expense of uh Jeff Tanyella or Brad Ty or Wes Naguama, but I think James Roberts long term will be a striker.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I
2: mean, that'll, that'll just be, you know, who's available at the time and then they'll judge out on form, so...
1: Well other than that I don't think we have too much else to say. They were keen as mustard. They rolled them and I uh, look forward to watching them and Parramatta both this week, see if they can carry on what they've done. Yep. So moving on to the other Sunday game, obviously the Melbourne storm against the Saint George the Illawarra Dragons, the tab form was ridiculous. It was a dollar twenty to four thirty. Well justified uh, justified 10. thirty to ten. Clinical but not perfect, that's the funny thing. Fourteen errors Melbourne made to the Dragons five and they still won by thirty points to ten and take away the intercept try. It's
2: 30-4. to four. Yeah, and, well, 30-4, to four, Melbourne should have probably scored another three tries at least. So um, it doesn't bode well for the Dragons, especially if they're going to um, you know, stick with the attacking structures that they've got at the moment because they're not working. So they need to go back to the drawing board. The Charity Shield probably should have given them that message. If it didn't, this game definitely did. Um, so, I mean, it's time for... They've got to start utilising the players that they've got so you can't attack how, how they did when they won the Premiership. Um, that's ridiculous. Their, their playing roster isn't the same. Jamie Soward isn't playing um, as well as he did back then. Their forward pack is totally different. I think the focus for the, the Dragons should be playing off their front row, their back row, down the middle of the field with uh, their hooking options, um, not moving the ball wide and, and playing off their halves. That's just my opinion. Oh, I just think they need to
1: wake up to themselves. And how he benches Trent Merrin to start the game and sees him as an impact player, just leave the bloke on the field. Yeah. He showed he can play the minutes. Charlie sure. Shield, he was tremendous. He was their best player. Well, that's why I don't get it. He's already struggling as it is, so he puts his best player pretty much on the bench and goes, yeah, I'll use you as an impact player. What impact are you going to have when you come on after 20 minutes and Melbourne's already leading 18-0? Yeah. The game's
2: gone. Yep. But, uh, oh, for Melbourne, oh, they were very impressive, especially off the back of the... Uh, the World Club Challenge, obviously, then to come back over. Um, and as you said, it's a dollar it's twenty game. They're red-hot favourites. They lose that and uh, everyone would have been into them. Um, so they got the job done. They obviously now run into the Cowboys up in North Queensland this week and that's going to be a huge game. It will be a massive game, but just
1: some little small points here. Obviously, don't need to go into too much depth about three of the players that were outstanding, Slater, Smith and Cronk. Same old, same old. They've come up with a, a couple of new plays as they always do, but... Mm. Nothing new there. They pretty much just harped on the same old bandwagon. Went down the front band, went the back man, changed the options up, kept sticking to what they know best. Yeah,
2: Cooper Cronk's kicking game was tremendous as well. That's yeah, um, kicking early. Control the game. He's the best um, long distance or yardage kicker in the competition, that's for sure. And the production line just keeps
1: on coming as well. Uh, Tohu Harris starts at 11, debuts, kills it, plays a full game, gets through yeah. it easily.
2: Should have had a try as well.
1: Yeah, Mahe Fanua plays a full game. Uh, He's played a couple of games last year, but slots straight in. No pressure felt there. Scores a try, has a pretty good game. Uh, Gareth Widock, we said this before, weird that he's a pommy and he hated the cold because he played like an absolute girl in the World Club Challenge, but come back in an absolute blistering hot day and play like a champion.
2: Yeah, well, that's funny. Maybe he was a little bit rattled playing back in England and maybe he had family and friends there. You just don't know. He might have been crook. He, he might have been underdone. He might have been carrying an injury. We could speculate on all that, but the matter of fact is is uh, he, he didn't play that well in the World Club Challenge and came out on the weekend and played really well. So good on him. Well, last rap and a
1: big rap in that one indeed. Jesse Bromwich. The man is only 23 years old. Uh, front rowers are obviously very hard to come by in the modern day and it's a role that you need to really step up into. It's it's a rare breed in itself, but World Club Challenge form, outstanding. I thought he was good at the back end of last year, but the way he's kicked off this year with that World Club Challenge game and obviously on the weekend, 130 metres and looked very powerful, good feet. Yeah, I think
2: he's really starting to... And where's his ceiling? Well, well, How much it. more improvement has he got in him? He's only 23. Well, For the next already... two years, he's going to get um, bigger physically. He's going to grow. Um, it's scary. He, he's a freak. Uh, what... What, State Allegiance? He's not a State Allegiance. No, nah, he plays for the New Zealand. That's already sewed up. Why can't one. we turn him? Get him to play for New South Wales. He'd be good.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, they're a rare breed, the front rowers, but I think he's starting to put himself up into that class. So. And they're
2: talking about his brother as being just as good as him. Yeah, well, so Kenneth's yeah. more of a third aim with a bit more ball ballplay, I think, in. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but you I mean, he's going to be him. another one you think that is going to slot into this forward pack. Um, Bellamy just keeps producing him. Good on him. He's, yeah, um, that's why they're a super club, because they, they can lose players and, and bring in others that they've built. So The other two that I was going to mention Junior Moores, Laghi like Setu Good contributions off the bench for yeah. that limited time Oh, they, they look good Melbourne's only issue is going to be if they uh, get injuries And obviously the origin period is going to put a bit of pressure on them But other than that they're a top four side
1: Congratulations to Slade Griffin also Getting an NRL debut for Melbourne After having an ACL injury last year He's actually a hooker from the NYC But he played a bit of third end on the weekend So good on him uh, moving off Melbourne, obviously not too much negatives there, besides the errors. And obviously, if that was any better, they would have won by an absolute mozza. Mm. But the Dragons, we've already said it, going forward, there has to be a rebuild. You've got Morris and Nightingale, Merrin and Rain pretty much penciled in. I know they've bought Beal, but he doesn't really fit that prototypical fullback these days with the ball play. He really struggles with it. He goes too sideways. He's not really delivering what Boyd did, where you straighten up.
2: So yeah,
1: I, st- I, I still was, see I him as part weird of the plan. That
2: they bought him. I mean, because yeah, well, you needed that ball playing option. Um, I think. Wait and see. I mean, you know, it's only game one, and they were playing the premiers down there. Tough place to go round one, but I mean, looking at their results, they've played probably the best two teams in the competition. They played South Sydney in their last trial. They played Melbourne round one, and they've got spanked in both games. So, um, a little bit of rebuilding to do, restructuring at the Dragons. But I mean, you can only deal. uh, Sorry, you can only deal in the players that you've got. Um, and at the moment, I just don't think they have the players in order to be uh, an elite force in the competition. Yeah, well, thirty to ten, that one. Obviously, differing factors.
1: A lot to be left to be desired from the Dragons. Fourteen errors to five, and beaten thirty to ten. Very sad. But moving on to the third Sunday game, Cronulla versus the Titans. A big one for you, hoping for them to strike back. Obviously, fighting the drama-filled Sharks, who turned up very
2: emotional. Uh, this is just an understatement. It was definitely a forwards game, let's put it that way. I mean, for 80% of the field, I was absolutely wrapped in what I saw from the Titans. I thought they defended really well. They, uh, they moved the ball down the field with ease. They made um, almost 1,700 metres, which, as I said in the preview, they, uh, they were the uh, highest-metre-gaining team in the NRL last year. So that was never going to be a concern. And then, you, obviously, you throw Dave Taylor in on top of that. Making metres and getting down the field isn't going to be the issue. The issue was always going to be the halves um, and the outside backs. And I mean, we could only post ten points. So I mean, that's probably got a little bit to do with lack of fluency in the halves, which I mean is self-explanatory. It's probably also a little bit to do with um, early season rustiness and the fact that probably for the for the first well, I know in the first half the Sharks made um, 50 less tackles than what the Titans did. So again, you can't. Feel disciplined. You can't make errors. You can't give away penalties, and expect to win games early in the season because sides are just going to hold the pill, grind away, and at the end of the game you're going to get found out. Even though I did think that the Titans came home with a wet sail and probably could have, maybe should have won. I mean, Greg Bird went straight through and had no support. So looking at the Sharks, they considering the week that they had. I mean, it was obviously tough as well for the Titans to turn up there and play, but considering the week that the Dragons, uh, sorry, the Sharks endured. I mean, for them to come out and win and even put in the you know a, a solid performance. And they, they played, I think, well above themselves. I think this was a really grinding game. It was a tough game, high-level game. Um, it's a credit to the Sharks. Good on them. Peter Sharp, he did really well. I watched a press conference last night. Um, he's a class act, and they're, they're handling this situation really well, and it, it can't be easy for them. Well, Bruno Cullen arrives today to take
1: over. Uh, the Sharks, Paul Gallen, Almost 190 metres in that game, 30 tackles, nothing new there. Plenty of aggression, obviously, and uh, most, Offloads, most of breaks. that probably emotion, as you can see. Lewis fairly riled up, as was most of the forward pack. Bo Ryan even got a bit of a stoush after being judo thrown by Aiden Caesar, but there was definitely no lack of aggression. Uh, Wade Graham brought some off the bench as well, but um, I think I'll stick to what I said before. It was a forwards-based game. I don't think any half besides probably Kearney, who looked pretty good from a bloke who hasn't
2: played in that long after a major injury, he yeah. he seemed to control. But he was probably the difference in the end. If you if you put Carney in in the Titans side, they probably post one more try, um, you know. But that it wasn't to be. And you know the Titans have got no excuses because November last year they knew that Scott Prince was leaving, so they've had three or four months to fix that problem. Um, and obviously it's a, it's a work in progress, but. That's a game that got away from them. They could they could have easily won that game with the again, the amount of meters that, that forward pack makes, it's just it's ridiculous that they can't take advantage of it. Yeah, well I thought that there was some positive.
1: Dave Taylor obviously he was brought off the bench, which I can't understand. That was like last year when Luke Douglas was coming off the bench. You pay that much money for somebody, stick him on, but when he did get on, he made a big impact. I thought Jamal Idris fixed up one of his biggest problems which was defence. He was fairly solid down that edge besides I thought the whole sides,
2: defence was good. Yeah, well Yeah, and I said to you when we we're watching the game that if the Titans gave away that much ball last year, they would have got beaten by forty easily. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a positive.
1: Yeah, at the same time though, obviously I know Kelly and Caesar probably didn't control things and get points on the board as was needed, but Takarangi, he was a makeshift center. He tried to force a few passes, that shows yeah. his inexperience in that slot. And obviously Caesar and Kelly, you want your harvest to run the football. They definitely did that. That was outstanding. But the problem was you can't run every single play. Like it was Pretty much just a hit-up fest. We didn't need that. They needed to take control, set something up. So I think that will grow during the year. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, they need a bit of help from this day and age and from your fullback. And I thought William Zillman, where was he? He didn't
2: come to the four at all until about the last 20 minutes. Yeah, that's going to be an issue, especially with the pressure that the halves are now placing on the Titans attack and the pressure that's putting on Shrama. You need that third wheel. Um, I don't know whether William Zillman's got the pass in him. Um, it may be time to even push Zilman to the centres, bring in this young kid um, from England who well, was. I was hoping to watch
1: him play twenties on the weekend because that's where he's right
2: now. Yeah. They've got big reps on him if he's anything like
1: Sam Tomkins. Well, if he can
2: ball play, he's definitely got to be something that John Cartwright's got to think about because he can then give you that other option and it'll and it'll fix our um, our left centre problem. I mean, Idris goes to, uh, sorry, Zilman goes to left centre. Idris plays right centre, and and you know you're fixed. I know Zilman can play in the centres, but I still think that David Mead
1: is too isolated in a wing and he's too good of a player. Well, he was tremendous. He would weekend. be my other centre with Jamal, and I think the fullback option is something they need to explore. Uh, yeah. They tried to sign somebody on the open market, which was a centre, which is obviously something they need, but I think Mead can take that role. Wingers are pretty easy to find in this day and age. I'm not saying a top flight wing is easy to find, but yeah. it's not really something you scratch for, and I think if they were going to get on the market, go buy a centre or buy a decent fullback. I don't know what's well,
2: for available. Me, yeah, for me, I mean, the Titans, they didn't surprise me. Everything that, that I thought would be an issue was an issue. The things that I thought um, were going to be positive were positive. For the Sharks, kudos has got to go to them. They were the uh, they turned up. They got the result um, under extreme pressure. Gallon was tremendous. Lewis was tremendous. I thought Mick Gordon was good in on his debut. Um, you know, and they just they defended their uh, guts out at the end of that game in order to secure the win, and uh, they thoroughly deserved their uh, their victory. It'll just be interesting to see. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, the toll that this takes on the Sharks. I mean, it's, it's obviously... Todd Carney was quoted as saying, you know, we can't play on emotion every week. So um, that's going to be the challenge for the Sharks moving forward. It was... Titans were really on a hiding to nothing going down there this game. Um, but, I mean, I thought it was a good spectacle. It was a good grinding game. It was probably... Um, the two games I enjoyed the most were probably the, the season opener with the Rabbitohs and, and, and this game I, I enjoyed... Watching the sharks go around, I think they're going to be uh, right up there again this year. Let's just hope that this Sardis uh, situation doesn't rip the club apart.
1: Well, I said it in the pre season if you guys are going to keep buying as many forwards as they do, because you both seem to neglect your back lines, mm. you guys need to pretty much mold into the sharks. If well, you have going a to keep the forwards, yeah. you, you yeah. blokes go for offloads and you know try and punch through and have nothing coming from your halves and isolate your back line. They tend to be very limited in their use of their back line, but they get down the field and they find a way. If you're going to keep buying forwards and not invest in your backs, I think they're the ones you have to look at as a model because they got themselves into the final last year purely off a forward pack and Todd Carney, who did
2: uh, what he could with a limited backline supply. Well, I mean, at at this stage, we're only two points worse than them. And we probably could have won. So, I mean, I'm not really worried about the Titans yet. Um, They need to beat Canberra this weekend. Based on what Canberra dished up on Sunday, they should beat Canberra. Um, But the problem with the Titans... Has been in the past that they always they always live for the teams that or well, the games that they should lose, but the games they should win they often flop in. So that's going to be the challenge. They need to go up, build that fortress back up at Skill Park, and and get a victory to kick off their home season. Well, pretty straightforward, I think, for both sides. A lack of points, but one
1: difference: the Sharks know how to grind out a they game do. when things get close, and you blokes tend We're to lose in and that close result. But yeah. moving on to the last game of the round, Monday night, I absolutely loved watching this game purely because of the way the Knights played and. Prototypically, Wayne Bennett. He doesn't have two losing seasons, and he's turned up. They've shellacked the Tigers 42 to 10.
2: Yep, they uh, they were clinical last night. They had all the ball, obviously. Um, Kurt Gilley was good. Jarrod Mullen. Um, he was a, probably a little bit 50 50, I guess. Darius Boyd, Boyd was tremendous. Um, my Daly M selection, uh, or one of my Daly M selections. He's a guy. M- yeah, Akulaiuato. I mean, where do you stop? They were uh, excellent all across the field. James McManus was good. Their forward pack looked much more uh, stout, aggressive, uh, and aggressive. So, I mean, good things for them. My focus coming out of this was the uh, was the Tigers. They they looked awful, and I had them in my eight. I'm now really starting to reconsider that. Um, you know, they they obviously play Penrith this Sunday, so that's going to be a challenge for them. But um, Mick Potter obviously didn't uh, offer up too many uh, excuses in the press conference. It's obviously a draining week for the Tigers as well. They did have to travel; the whole squad travelled up to Brisbane for the funeral of Young um, Moses, and uh, that's obviously got to suck some juice out of them. And also the fact that they've waited all week, um, you know, or since Thursday night, to play the last game of the round away from home. So I mean, obviously there weren't uh, there were reasons there for for the Tigers to fall back on. Mick Potter didn't want to make too many excuses. Uh, looking forward, I mean, they're going to have to improve tenfold and and show better discipline in order to, uh, you know, be be a challenge or, or be up there in this year's competition.
1: Well, I think the only positive to come from the game is the fact that uh, young Mossesi they have given him number 155, uh, would have been his debut number as an NRL player, even though he didn't end up playing grade. So, congratulations to them for doing that. I think that was a great uh, great yeah, thing to touch. do. They did that from the playing group. Robbie Farris suggested the idea, but. Besides that, I didn't see any positives in it. They scored in the first set, thought, here we go, they're back to their old ways, and then they conceded in the first set. So Mm, that that early on in the game, you have no right to score a try and then let someone score straight away. You're fresh, you're ready to go. They've spent their whole preseason supposedly working on defense. Well, I didn't see any of it last night. What's happened to Blake Ashford? What's happened to Chris Lawrence? Uh, Adam Blair scored the first try, but after that went on a penalty rampage and pretty much kept giving away those penalties that were leading to two sets where the Knights kept scoring and they were 98% to 2% in a 12-minute period there. And it was just well, self-inflicted.
2: Yeah, I thought the Tigers looked very similar to the Roosters. Just the same discipline. problems. Discipline errors. and defence, errors. Um, they've obviously got the talent there, but it's going to be about nurturing that and and fixing their discipline and uh, and their errors.
1: Well, the other thing I said, and that's the difference I think between them is the forward pack. The Roosters have a good forward pack. I think yeah. we saw on the weekend that the Tigers are lacking. The, the back row wasn't too great, like Liam Fulton's a scrappy player and does his job, but him and Aster, uh, it's just you know, it's not a, not your prototypical back row for this day and age, they're not really big, they're not as powerful, uh, young Buchanan he had a red hot go, but he's as obviously hasn't filled out yet, and Woods played on a busted knee, so he had nowhere near as much impact, and you need a forward pack to win in this comp you need to be able to make metres to get the ball to your backs
2: Yeah, Braith and Asta got caught out a couple of times with some poor misses at crucial times, he let Iwate through at least once um, and then came up with some poor reads. So, um, again, it didn't look great for the Tigers. I, I know everyone's death-riding them already, but um, I'll be interested to see how they bounce back this weekend against the Panthers.
1: Well, it's pretty scary when you winger, and uh, I'm talking of Marika well, your front rower, got your biggest impact <laughs> yeah. when he's hitting the line. And he had a poor, not a poor night, but he had a very... Frustrating night, I think. I look at his face a few times, he was getting whacked because there was just nothing doing, and he seemed to be the bloke who kept taking the hit up.
2: Yeah. What do we think of the performance of Jacob Miller and uh, the fullback Tim Moulton? Well, Tim Molson, I've already said before
1: that I think that Tedesco is obviously a natural fullback, a much more solid fullback, and probably a bigger body. You see Molson get dominated fairly often, uh, he did probably have only one real moment where he come up the middle on a support play and Darius Boyd cracked him so he didn't really have Mm -hmm. the flashiest of nights as far as Jacob Miller's concerned I'll stick to what I said before you need your forwards to be going forward Uh, Benji Marshall should be the dominant half I'm not trying to defend him because he's young but uh, he had limited opportunities, I and mean, what are you supposed to do? They had no ball, they had no field position. What are you, what are
2: you going to do? You're a number seven. That's that's what you work off. Yeah, if they get beat this weekend, or if they you know lose three or four in a row, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Miller and Molson and these guys. I agree with you. I I think that um, Molson sort of lost the plot ever since he uh, ever since he reneged on that contract at the Dragons, and that sort of played with his confidence a little bit. Then last year he obviously got moved around into several different positions. He had a couple of injuries as well. Um, I, I just think, yeah, you've got to you've got to pick Tedesco, um, put him there. Whether they use Maltzan as their seven, that's what I'm hearing today. That they're the murmurs that I've heard. I know, um, you know, we've got obviously got a, f- a few connections in terms of what's happening uh, in and out of uh, NRL clubs, and, and that is the murmur that I'm hearing that um, Tedesco will be moved to one. Uh, Jacob Miller doesn't have very long to cement his uh, halfback spot, and they're going to move Maltzan to seven. I, I wouldn't do that. Um, I would my sticker in Maltzan. I'd move and I'd probably play Maltzan on the bench as my utility, and I would uh, I'd use Tedesco at one. I mean, um, but that's just us. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens because, as you know, losses they produce pressure. Pressure makes uh, coaches, you know, have to make decisions. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the Tigers. Yeah, we're well, moving off them. Obviously, not too many positives to come out of that.
1: But I uh, we obviously touched on Newcastle quickly. I thought. The simple thing, second year for Wayne Bennett, he bought the players he wanted. Surprise, surprise, Jeremy Smith, Bo Scott with an already fantastic back row in Chris Houston. Yep. Now probably one of the best back rows in the comp with what they've got there. Big Willie Mason, Cade Snowden delivered last night. He played how he should be playing. Uh, obviously, Kurt Gidley, back for shoulder. Rico looks much better as a ball player. Darius Boyd, uh, hot and cold, on and off, as he has been the last couple of years. It seems to be premiership, cold, on again, this mm. might be the year again. He looked red hot, and I said to you, I he thought looked he looked fit. like he
2: trimmed down. Yeah, he looked fit. You did say that, and, and that was um, something we identified, obviously, before the game. But he moved much better. He passed the ball really well. Um, he just chimed into the game at good stages. And, and you made the comment during the game that he, he seemed to be ripping the ball back on kick return, which was probably something that towards the back deep. end of last year, attitude. he wasn't doing. Yeah, so I mean, he looks like he's he's refreshed he's uh you know whether wayne's given him some extra time off um to get his head right and get his body right um is a different thing but uh yeah he might have been another victim of this dragons premiership hangover i know he obviously moved to newcastle but if you if you look at how the dragons played last year they played tired and lacking confidence and a little bit down and that's how Darius boyd looked it's just it's hard obviously to to be a premiership force for so long and to stay up and up and up and I mean, the only team that has been able to do it has been the Melbourne Storm. And um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Craig Bellamy manages that. But he he obviously has a policy where he he rests players on and off and um, gives them time to recover. So, I mean, that's a challenge for these coaches in order to keep their best players on the field. But, um, you know, what a way to start off the season for Knights fans. Kirk Gidley said in the press conference that, um, it would have been really gut-wrenching for them to lose the opener. They they lost a lot of confidence out of losing that Golden Point game to the Dragons last year, so um, hopefully that you know pushes them forward. I'll be interested to see how they go this week. Um, obviously, you want to see them back that performance up.
1: Yeah, most definitely, and uh, I think, like I said, forward pack, outstanding. Halves, solid. Uh, the right edge was awesome. Dane Gay guy, I said at the start of the year that I... See him in rep colours sometimes. in the future. Why can't be our origin
2: edge? Throw Corabidi on the other wing, and we have just got to find a centre. Well, I still have said before I, I, I cannot Jennings could
1: probably be left centre with Corabidi. Well, I can't justify it just yet, but I said that if Kane the net plays anything like he did on the weekend, well, he was good. We too, need to stop yeah. being defensive and picking Bo Scott in that centre spot to defend English. Stick Kane the net on him, let him power slam him like he did to Dave Taylor. Yeah, um, but there's nothing else to say. That they're fantastic. Obviously, Boyd gets man in the match. Well justified, but. Could have gone to any number of players. Gagai showed himself to be a fantastic young centre. Moved uh, there from the Broncos after discretion. Was a fullback, but showed his turn of foot. they benefited from that. I think he was uh, uh, very happy that he's got a centre there now that's feeding him the ball. Mm. And, uh, yeah, all round, I, I just can't say enough good things. I know the Tigers didn't play that well, so early on they do have to back it up the next couple of weeks to solidify themselves, but I definitely look at them now and think they're top four. more of a top-four side, especially with the Bulldogs down for these first... Uh, eight to nine weeks
2: while yeah, they're yeah. waiting to get some players But If I had my time over, I'd swap them over. I'd have the Knights in and the Dogs out. Well,
1: I've, I've still got the, the Dogs. The, top, the,
2: yeah. the Dogs in the top eight. But for top four, it's obviously Melbourne and South at the moment, I see. And then just below them, you'd obviously have to have the Cowboys and then probably just below them the Knights.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, moving on from that, we've done all our reviews of the game. So now it's time to be joined by Mr. Gossip. For all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfield and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. For the fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au.
0: Leagues and Legends.
1: It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. And it is that time of the week. It's the segment with Mr. Gossip. Welcome back. Yeah, lads. How are we? Very good. Fantastic to have watched some football on the weekend. Oh, mate, fantastic. It's great to have the footy back. A bit of a cliche, but it was, it was fantastic to have it all back. It was, fan- it was great. Yeah. I don't think my wife's too happy, but it's all good. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. just too bad. They have to deal with it for the next twenty six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's Right, exactly. exactly. Put, them, put them
2: on ice until October. <laughs> 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 uh, Very
0: good.
2: What do you got for this uh, this week, mate? Well, it's been a big week for NRL gossip. Um, a bit of self-indulgence to kick
0: off. Um, we hit uh, thirty thousand followers on on Facebook, which is which is fantastic for gossip. Um, yeah, we beat sort of
2: rugby league week and big league to the thirty thousand, so that's a that's a big achievement for us. Yeah. So, um, we don't have four hundred uh, yet, so yeah. we're <laughs> chasing you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you'll,
0: you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I, we've got a good network we've got Leagues and Legends who've um, helped me out and also Zero Tackle as well and of course you guys so uh, big thank you to everyone there but um, yeah. yeah let's hope we get to the 60,000 by the
1: end of year that'll be great yeah de- most definitely I think you deserve them and we've obviously uh, chucked Leagues and Legends in this week and Zero Tackle ads and yourself so starting to build a, build up ourselves and hopefully we get somewhere up near 30,000 in some time this life <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll
0: get there brother yeah, yeah hopefully I guess we'll start off with um, Jonathan Thurston and uh, a record deal for the NRL—the the biggest one we've ever seen. And that's the, the four-year deal worth five million dollars. And personally, I think it's fantastic for the game. It's fantastic for, for towns with so many young kids up there that that look after, look look over for Jonathan Thurston. He's a, he's a great role model. Mm. Um So I think it's great for the game. But the, a funny part of the whole story—I got a lot of emails saying that the reason, apparently. Um, the deal was done was because of the, the ground sponsor um, 1,300 smiles apparently offered Jonathan Thurston the last time dental program I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. well, I really don't know how true that is but it's, it's good for a laugh anyway but no good for game
1: I think well, bloody hell I looked at him smile at the press conference there's nothing going wrong unless he's got some serious holes or cavities I haven't
0: seen
2: the dental plan exactly. might have already started <laughs> <laughs>
0: But he's, he's worth every cent of it, surely. He is definitely the best, the best player in the game. You just have to watch that, that display he put against the Bulldogs at Blue Tongue. He was just, he was far above the best player on the field in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Well, on top of that, he can have a bad game and he still looks better than most people do. Uh, Australian halfback, Queensland halfback. He's been playing Origin and Kangaroos now for years. He's got the job done. Uh, Cowboys yet to win a premiership, but he obviously won one back in '04. 4 A lot of people neglect to forget and gave his uh, ring to Steve Price. So he's a fantastic person within the game of rugby league and deserves every penny, no doubt. Yeah, fantastic
0: role models, I was saying. Yeah, terrific. And, uh, yeah, also we've got... Um, I'm hearing Dizzy Hasler speaking with the Sharks' Nathan Gardner. Um, yeah, obviously, we all know Nathan Gardner is a, a fullback now. For Desi to speak to Nathan Gardner, I mean, that would, to me, uh, rings bells that maybe Barber will be out for longer than, than we think. Um, now I know the Bulldogs have got the money for it, especially with Corey Payne. He announced his retirement at the start of the year. So that, that sort of frees up 200k right there. So I know Gardner's, and you can't blame him, keen to get out of Cronulla with all the stuff going on there at the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Bulldogs really push for the deal to happen over the next couple of weeks for him to come over to the Dogs.
2: Well, I've, I've heard this week that um, Benny Barber's on the outer at the Dogs. That's, that's sort of the word that I'm getting. Um, yep. So it's, just, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with it all. And um, obviously Nathan Gardner's got his reasons for wanting to leave um, in terms of, you know, as you said, the situation with the Sharks, probably also the fact that they've signed Michael Gordon to play fullback. So that's obviously oh. going to have its impact. Um, and, I mean, a fresh start probably would do Nathan Gardner some good. Well, on
1: top of that, you look at uh, Nathan Gardner's speed, very similar to Ben Barber. He has that ability to get on the outside and open up the space. The only question is, does he have the ball-playing ability? But with a coach like Des Hasler, I'm sure he would be keen to pick him up, use that speed to his advantage, and try and get that ball-playing implemented in his game if Ben Barber is on his way out.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And also, it's... Great to announce that the Papali saga is finally over
1: with. <laughs> and, and then he's, he's going to commit to the Raiders for the next three years, so which obviously can't him until the end of 2016.
0: But thank God that's over. And um, yeah, Papali can constrain playing with the Raiders, who are also in a bit of trouble at the moment.
2: So, where do you think this puts um, contract negotiations for the future? I mean, if I'm now a club um, looking to sign someone, I'm going to be very weary. Um, in terms of announcing the deal, because the eggs ended up on Parramatta's face, and probably through no fault of theirs. Yep. Um,
0: well, yeah, You're right, because a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that Corey Norman had agreed to terms with the Eels, and I got absolutely slammed with emails and upset Bronco at But I'm sorry, you know, I'll stand by, and, um, I know Parramatta won't confirm it yet, but Norman's going to sign, whether it'll be this week or next week, he's going to sign. But I think Parramatta have learned their lessons from the Pali situation, mm. and just waiting off until everything's done, not, not to greet to terms or, you know, he's, he's given a stand the old Sonny Bill Williams handshake. It's, you know, mm. wait, wait wait till the money's in the bank, so to speak.
2: Well, surely the NRL now have got to step in and make sure that contracts are bonding.
0: Well We'd have to. They're, they're going to have to, for sure. It's, we can't have these sort of situations for the fans. Um... For the, for the players, for the club, it's it's not good. And with the way the NRL is going at the moment, the last thing we need is another a contract, you know, uh,
2: start up, basically. Mm, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if you look at the leading sports in, around the world, none of them would put up with this. They they wouldn't put no. up with this sort of situation. It is farcical. No, exactly
0: right. What's, I don't know what the commission are doing, really. This is something they can step into and, and change. It change very quickly. Mm. Definitely has to be sorted out, that's for sure. Exactly. All right, and then obviously the the big news today is the whole uh, Josh Dugan situation at the Raiders. Now, Dugan took to Twitter this morning, and um, I'll quote, he he said, I apologise to my teammates and the fans, but this is is personal and needs to be sorted out as soon as possible for me to move forward. This goes beyond the drinking while injured. Yes, I've spoken uh, I've team rules, but for me it goes deeper than I plan on sorting out. basically blah, 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 uh, crocodile tears for, for Josh Durkin. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't know what's wrong with these guys these days. You know, One was me going to social media to have a cry, and then, then they post, you post up these ridiculous pictures on um, on Instagram. And to me, I, I don't know what's worse, is these two clowns sitting on a roof drinking while they're
1: injured or the fact that they were drinking Dr. cruises. Yeah, well, uh, that, that, that was the start this afternoon when I seen Blake Ferguson holding a guava one and him holding a pineapple. I thought, Jesus Christ, at least put a super dry on your hand. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, oh, it's just... Well, I heard a bloke at the press conference and he asked one question that seemed to give uh, Dave Ferner a bit of the grumps, but it's a fair call. He's been done for the, the DUI. There's been past instances of the drinking. Uh, you know, I know they're all kind of minor issues and things that your average Joe probably does do. But if they're going to keep giving him slaps on the wrist, surely at some point they've got to really put their foot in the ground. Like Todd Carney, I know they gave him enough rope and he finally hung himself. I'm not saying he's done anything near as bad as probably what Todd did, but sure, you've got to sit him down and go, look, next strike, and I think we're going to have to send you on your way. They're going to have
0: to. It's it's crazy. And I know for a fact that this morning, um, Dugan's manager was ringing every Tom, Dick and Harry Trying to sell Dugan to a club, so I I thought for sure that that Turner and the club were going to sack him today. But obviously they haven't. But um, Dugan
2: won't be at the Raiders next year. I guarantee it. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, if you're the Raiders, you you put a lot of money into Josh Dugan, and obviously he's one of the guys that you're expecting to perform. He hasn't done that on a consistent basis for the last three or four years since he had that breakout. Um, sort of form when he first came into grade. Now they've got Reece Robinson sitting there, who last year I thought played better than Josh Dugan at fullback. Um, so I mean, for Canberra, it's pro- probably an opportunity slipped in terms of they they probably should have punted him. I mean, if they want to send a message and they want to have a disciplined environment down there, you can't let this stuff slide. And as Lewis said, it's it's not the first indiscretion. It's it's the it's getting to the you know third, fourth, fifth indiscretion. Yeah,
0: give me Reese Robinson over. Uh, Duganine day of the week yep, like we're, you said. we're with you 100% uh, it's, it's, it's bizarre I, I, I don't see like you said he's always injured he's just trouble mm. um, it, the Raiders had a big time a bit hard time last year trying to ex, um, attract sponsorship and you know niffs like him it's just going to steer sponsorship away
2: yeah well it's right I mean it's it's a business it's not just a football club it's a business you need to be able to attract people and and, and keep sponsors and um, I mean, this sort of stuff is going to deter them from uh, wanting to have anything to do with the Raiders.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I guess the last point I got uh, for tonight, fellas, is um, you know, the Seagulls, We know uh, re-signed um, Stewart, um, and they had some salary cap issues. You now the salary cap I'm hearing is still very, very tight, and apparently they're trying to shop around Jamie Bura. Now Jamie was, you know, uh, the best thing since his bread from Origin last year, but sort of fell off the earth towards the end of last year. But the interesting part of this is that his managers try to shop him around at different clubs but no one seems to take a bite. So very interesting, whether his price is too high or everyone's just lost faith in the young fella, but
1: um he's gonna have to take a big pay cut. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Bureau Manley anyway. Yeah, I was about to say I think last year he's kind of the victim of that side they did have, he was playing off the bench and He's very solid, but I think you probably hit the nail on the head on the management side of things. Managers always go diving in, asking for way too much, so they've probably started the bar a bit too high for, you know, somebody who's only just started to play consistent NRL football. Yeah, exactly. And And,
0: uh, pretty much like what Sammy Williams' manager is doing at the moment, still asking for,
2: you know, crazy amounts of money. And I find it crazy also that the clubs are willing to pay the sort of money for, you know, the type of players that are on the market, as we've said in previous conversations. I mean... There aren't many halves out there. There aren't many young players um, of the quality of Jamie Bureau out there. So a lot of clubs now are paying well over what they probably should to secure these players, and you, you don't really know whether they're going to be consistent first graders in your, in your team. So you can blow your cap straight away. Well, that's right. Your 6, 7, and 9 are the
0: hardest, really. I mean, they're your playmakers in the modern game, and they're the hardest to, to find talent for. There's that many back rowers in the bloody game it's, uh, it's very hard hmm. to find a good six, seven
2: or nine. Yeah, it's much easier just to throw a kid in as well and, and, and play him in the back row or off the bench or, or whatever than it is, as you say, to find a, find a spine player, I guess.
1: Yeah, 100%.
2: Mm.
1: All right, well, that's all the gossip we've got for this week, so we'll jump into our tips, I suppose, now. Uh, Thursday night, the round kicks off with the Eels versus the Bulldogs. Uh, personally... I'm absolutely torn between this one, from what I've seen in the Bulldogs on the weekend, and I've obviously given the Eels a bit of a drubbing during the preseason. But I'm going to be completely honest: if they play anything like they did last week, I think they're a serious chance. But I'm hearing that Sam Casiano and Frank Pritchard will be back on deck, so going in that sense of things, I'm going to back the Bulldogs to win in a close one.
2: Yeah, this is a hard one. Toss the coin. I'm I'm going to go with the form. I'm going to, I'm going to tip the Eels, um, just because I like what I saw last weekend. Um, and the fact that the Bulldogs obviously are struggling with a lot of players out. At the end of the year, the Bulldogs are going to finish well ahead of Parramatta, but at the moment I think this is going to be the best chance for the Eels to beat the Bulldogs, um, obviously, in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, you- I found doing doing uh, tipping comms the past couple of years, teams that lose in round one very rarely lose in round two. Um, so I'm going to stick with think. I'm going to think the Bulldogs will win this one.
2: Um, yeah I'll,
1: I'll go the dog thing okay. Friday night game we've got the Dragons versus the Broncos uh, the battle of the toilet bowl as I've <laughs> nicknamed this one after okay, what mate. I was saying last week but uh, I'm going to go the Broncos again very reluctantly but they started off strongly and then they just absolutely flushed themselves down the toilet they let three tries in in five minutes uh, that was just five sets there four errors three tries they can't do it again Anthony Griffin wasn't too happy Alex Glenn's come out and said that it's not good enough and uh He's damn straight, it's not good enough, so they need to
2: pull themselves up this week and give it to the Dragons. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Broncos. Just best of a bad bunch. Um, and again, I thought they were pretty impressive first half, but obviously fell away once Manly got some possession on Friday night. So I'll stick with the Broncos with absolutely no confidence at all. <laughs> yeah, I had the Broncos, boys, once they
0: got back into the shed last game. They couldn't even look at each other in the eye. Mm. And that, to me, says we're going to have a big game. So, yeah, I think the Broncos...
2: Mm.
1: Well, the blockbuster on Saturday night, one I'm absolutely pumped for, Cowboys versus the Storm. We went up there last year, I'm pretty sure, and copped it in the the second round. Uh, Obviously, Bellamy wasn't too happy with the scheduling side of things, and I've heard they're carrying an 18th man, so someone may be rested, Uh, whether it's one of the big three or someone important, I'm not too sure. But I'm going to go against my team, Melbourne, this week. I'm going to back the Cowboys to win it, Dairy Farmers.
2: Uh, I'm going to back the Storm, just because they're the best team in the comp. And until I see the Cowboys knock off someone like the Storm, um, I'm not going to believe in all the hype surrounding the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go the the Storm. The Cowboys, whilst they were good last week against the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs had a lot of players out. So it was sort of hard to to gauge how they went. So I'll stick with the the Storm because they were so good against the Dragons and Mm. uh, a very professional outfit.
1: Continuing on Saturday, we've got the Warriors versus the Roosters, the return to Eden Park. Uh, I'm not too confident in this one either, but I think the Roosters showed a lot more promise than what the Warriors did last week. Even though they are travelling over the Dutch, I'm going to back the Roosters to get the b- Bickies.
2: No, I'm going to continue on my rooster hating this i'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to back the Warriors to just flip it um, and reverse their form. Obviously, they're a different side in, uh, in New Zealand. They would have been embarrassed with that performance last week. The Roosters, um, they just look like they need uh, probably four to six weeks for me before I'll start... Um, yeah, you know, I think they'll hit their straps. So um, I'm going to go to the Warriors in an upset. <laughs> I can't tip
0: the Warriors they I'm <laughs> like, and I haven't really made that many changes either. So I'm I think t- well. was actually
2: in the. Uh, you sent me that text message about the Warriors on Saturday, and I was in the coach's box at Brookie, and I, I thought, well. Bloody old Paramount must be racking up a score if he's sending me a message saying, Get down to the T I B and back the warriors for the spoon so I had a little
0: too, I, I, I gotta
1: say. Yeah. Oh, moving on to the, the triple header on Sunday. Can't wait for this one. I'm going to sit down and have it a beer, but in case of the first game, the Titans versus the Raiders, I'm going to have a couple of vodka cruises. To <laughs> <laughs> in regards of uh, these two teams, I think the Titans showed a lot of promise in the Fords. Obviously struggled to put points up on the board, but if the Raiders turn up anywhere near as lacklustre as they were, I'd see them getting beaten by the Titans, and I'm going to go the Titans.
2: Yeah, I'm going the Titans. Everyone's going to go, well, you always go the Titans, but um, I, they did impress me on Sunday night. I wasn't... I wasn't happy that they lost, obviously, but I wasn't too disheartened with the performance. I thought they were they were real tidy in defence, and they uh, well they made the most metres out of any side again this weekend, but still only managed to score ten points. So, um, if they defend like they did, um, and you know they rolled down the field like they did in uh, in round one, I think the Raiders will have trouble in terms of um, holding them out. Yeah, I've got the
0: Titans as well, but I really hope we see. Uh, some brilliance from Caesar because, in my opinion, it was fairly ordinary
1: against the Sharks with some silly decisions, and mm. and uh, you'd yeah, like to see them have a big game. at I'll get the Titans. Yep, second Sunday game, the Tigers versus the Panthers. Uh, they've both got claws, but only one's got a set of claws at the moment. The Tigers <laughs> were pretty flat last night against the Knights, and I don't see things getting any better. I still think they're a bit light on the forward pack, and that definitely showed last night. They got absolutely bashed. Uh, Penrith keen as mustard. They were very ruthless last weekend. They did make some errors, but. As any good ambitious side did, they hung in for 80 minutes and just ground uh, the Raiders into the ground. So I'm going to go to the Panthers.
2: Mm, this is a tough one for me. Um, Monday night is going to be the, the factor for me tipping the Panthers. They've um, Obviously, the Tigers are backing up from Monday night. Panthers had the extra day rest. Um, and obviously, the Panthers probably looked the better out of the two, even though the Tigers just gave away as much ball as they could. And the Panthers, they had all the ball in that game. So I think if this is a 50-50 in terms of possession, this is going to be a really close game. Um, but I'm going to tip the Panthers just based on what I saw last week.
0: Yeah, like I'll go to the Panthers as well. And watching that game on Monday night, the, the Knights forwards just completely dominated the Tigers forwards. Mm. And then watching the Panthers game, the Panthers forwards basically won them the game. Mm. So the Panthers forwards are going well, so I think they'll just steamroll the Tigers and, and, and we can win in a big, big way.
1: Yeah, moving on to the last game on Sunday, the Eagles versus the Knights. I think this one will be an absolute cracker if uh, we see the form that the Eagles showed in the second half and the Knights do the job they did on Monday. Uh, I absolutely love picking the away team. I think I've already picked six of them. I'm going to stick to that trend. I'm going to back the Knights to beat the Eagles.
2: Yeah, I'm going the Knights. I'm um I'm waiting for the Eagles to fall. They're going to fall eventually, and I'll just keep tipping them until they lose. So, um I'm going to go with the Knights. Just they were very impressive on Monday night. But again, the concern will be. Um, obviously, the Eagles had a Friday to Sunday backup. The Knights have only got Monday um, to Sunday, so um, that may be a concern.
0: It's a clash I always enjoy, even though Carl and Harrigan aren't playing, obviously. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it back from '97. You know, it's always a good clash. I'll go to the Eagles, uh, just basically on, on consistent form over the past couple of years with the Knights. have only shown one game so far that they they can do it.
2: I hope uh, maybe Wayne Bennett could dye his hair red. Um, Andrew, Andrew Johns um, in- ask. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, maybe, maybe he could go to the
1: sandal roll
2: look and look like a uh.
1: truckman. <laughs> yeah, he, he, oh, someone sent me a message on the the Facebook saying, "Did Cisco sign to play for the Raiders?" <laughs> and I said, "Said with the amount of drop ball that uh, has happened on the weekend, I think him and Cisco have switched places. He's trying to relaunch his career after the flop, the thong song, and." Uh, Cisco's had a crack on the
2: wing. Sandor Earl made six errors on the weekend. I'm betting that there's going to be players who play 80 minutes every week that won't make six errors in 26 rounds. Yeah, he's, he's concentrating
0: on too much how he looks and how he plays. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Billy George Michael looking fella.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll move it under the last game of the round, and this one's been another cracker as far as the Fords battle is concerned. You've got the Bunnies versus the Sharks on Monday night. Uh, For me, this one's pretty straightforward. Even with Burgess out, I really liked what the Rabbits did last week. It was very Melbourne-esque the way the structure. But I think they've got a little more flair under Maguire. I think he still likes to play a bit of football, so I'm going to back them to get over the Sharks.
2: Yeah, it's the uh, Rabbitos in uh, sorry, it's the Storm in Rabbitohs jerseys. Um, I think the Sharks they obviously had the emotion of last week. That's going to be now a lull. I I think they're going to have a tough week again this week with a lot of speculation. Um, and as Todd Carney said uh, on the news, I think it was yesterday, that you know they can only play on emotion for so long. So I think I think the Rabbitohs will win in a big way in this one.
0: I'm disappointed. The games are Friday night. I just love hearing uh, Rabs' wine say, Burgess! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now there's possibly three of them and I'm going to be in for a real treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big Burgess is out of course, but I don't think that will affect him. I think the Rabbitohs will win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's the
2: difference between the Rabbitohs um, you know, of last year and the Rabbitohs of this year. If they lose Burgess last year, you sort of and Ahring, and now they've obviously got enough depth in their pack. You, you sort of don't worry about it, do you? No, exactly. They were fantastic on, on Thursday
0: night. I mean, it's Friday night. I get used to that. They were fantastic last Thursday night, and can't wait for that game. It's going to be a cracker.
1: Yeah, most definitely. a good second round, and uh, obviously that wraps us up for this week. So thank you to Mr. Gossip. You can find Mr. Gossip on Facebook, go up to the search bar, type in NRL Gossip, and also on Twitter, at NRL Gossip. So thanks a lot, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Fantastic, guys. See you next week. No worries, mate. Have a good one. See you, buddy.
0: Cheers, buddy. Bye.
1: Big thanks to Mr. Gossip again, and now we move into the wrap-up. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of the Fifth and Last Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody who tuned in and also a big thank you to all our partners and help. Obviously, zerotackle.com. Hit him up for all the news. Mr. Gossip, obviously, at NRL Gossip and Leagues and Legends. www.nrlstore.com.au. Hit them up. Get the uh, NRL jerseys for this year with free delivery if you want. So a uh, big thanks to those three. All
2: right, guys. Make sure you uh, hit us up on uh, the email, which is Fifth and Last Podcast at hotmail.com, on Facebook, 5th and Last Podcast, just type it into the search bar at the top, and on Twitter, 5th and Last Podcast, oh, sorry, 5th and Last, with an N.
1: That's everything, guys. Get us on the social media, and obviously it will be available on iTunes and Podomatic from Wednesday, so get on board,
2: share the love, and support us. Just a reminder also, guys, get uh, get your emails in for the Sportsmanship Award. We didn't have many last week, um, so we're going to wait until we, we can... Uh, Have a few to select from, and we can share those stories on the podcast. So um, get those in.
1: Most definitely get those emails in, and we'll get the $50 out to someone. Enjoy your Rugby League this week, guys. Bye bye.
0: Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?